Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome back to the Goblin Lore Podcast. Uh, today, we have a special guest, Gavin Verhey, on to talk about something that he he knows a little bit about, Doctor Who. Um, he's, he's known to, I guess he studied up for it to do these sets, so he's kind of new to the fandom, so we're going to take it easy on him. But yeah, welcome, Gavin Verhey. Nice to have you. Hey, great to be here, everybody, and great to be talk to you today about something I'm very passionate about and so happy I got to work on, Doctor Who Commander. And maybe even yeah. just some normal Doctor Who, too. Yeah, just even some, yeah, let's just talk even normal Doctor Who. I mean, I, this is something I've talked about in the past, but I actually met Gavin for the first time ever in person at a, at, at, at um, Gallifrey One, at the Doctor Who Con. We were waiting for Sylvester McCoy to go on stage and regale us. And I, he's still one of my favorite people ever to see at cons uh he does just an amazing interview so yeah so gavin yeah, welcome yeah, to the show back and a lot of promotional stuff as well for the 60th which i think is so cool you know i was almost hoping he was gonna like show up in in vegas for the magic con somehow <laughs> well the last some other time some other time you know we got elijah wood now we need to work on somebody from doctor who so so we'll get started my name is uh hobbs q my pronouns are he him we'll just jump right into this uh let me Introduce my co-host, Taya. Hi, Taya. My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And we've also heard from Gavin already, so welcome, Gavin. Hey, yeah, I'm Gavin. My pronouns are he, him. So we always like to start off with a question, and we're going to start off with just, let's just keep it simple. Who is your favorite doctor? And we'll let our guests take this away first. Yeah, my answer is exceedingly boring, um, but it is true, so it's what I'm going to say, which is the 10th Doctor. It's my first Doctor, it's who I started with. Yes, I know he's most people's favorite Doctor, or at least, or not, I don't know how to say most of everybody, but he is a pretty stock answer for, for favorite Doctor. But I, I just love him. I thought he did an amazing job embodying the Doctor as the 10th Doctor. I think he uh, has a number of my favorite episodes, and, you know, what's not to love? So uh, I got to go with David Tennant, the 10th Doctor. So can you give just a simple why? Just a you know, what is it about his 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 personification of the Doctor? I think to me he's the right mix of like fun and curious alongside dark and mysterious at the same time, right? He's, he tends to be pretty fun, but if you wrong him or if you uncover a tiny bit about his past, you might learn more than you bargained for. And just a number of his episodes are among my favorite episodes, right? Yes, of course you can reference Blink, which is an all time all time great, but also things like Girl in the Fireplace. Um, yeah, um, uh, the, the waters of Mars, uh, the, um, sounds in the library force of the dead, stuff like that are just among some of my favorites. And I feel like when I think of the doctor, it's my first doctor, it's just who I resonate with so well. Plus I cosplayed as 10 for a while. So obviously I've got resonance there. So, yeah, cool. Taya, how about for you? Uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, Ninth Doctor, uh, Christopher Ackerson, uh, you know, largely is my, my main first Doctor as well. I saw some of the, uh, Sylvester McCoy stuff as a kid and the, uh, the movie episode with the Eighth Doctor, uh, but I don't remember a whole lot of it. So I really started watching with the reboot and I love his style with a leather jacket and everything and really enjoyed his uh, season and a half on the air, uh, you know, and just kind of rebooting the whole series and bringing it into the modern air uh, and giving us the doctor as we know him today. So that's, that's my answer. 
So I, you know, I, I actually, you know, Chris Frackleston is mine as well, uh, especially, and I appreciate it more even uh, as we've gone along. And I actually think one of the things that made me really appreciate him, and this is where I have what could be another favorite doctor, but there's really just not enough. And that's uh, John Hurt as the war doctor. Like, oh, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be- before he had so good. passed, like, I would have, I would have taken a whole like side shoot of, uh, of like what happened during the war. I've always been interested in the time war uh, and knowing kind of more about it because basically, and this is why I love Eccleston is going back. Now we realized he d- jumped in basically right after, right? Like the end of the time war that, that would have been where Eccleston came from. And seeing that kind of like, he's now on his own, his people are gone. That portrayal is amazing. And to me, rewatching that coming out strong with everybody you know like the, the episode with everybody lives that being very early on um in context now is just something that makes me really appreciate him as i've been doing a rewatch i will also say i love tom baker so this has been kind of a uh my 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 grandmother is from england my uncle grew up going to the uk basically they went a lot of summers when he was growing up and he he is the one who introduced me to doctor who and because of him i've been able to you know we even had some like before brit box or something allowed me to really dig deeper into the old doctors i had seen enough tom baker to really kind of appreciate like why his doctor is so iconic and why it is so beloved now it's still like i still need to watch so many of his episodes at this point but I, I really just appreciate kind of what he brought to the wall. So, yeah, I, uh, and he, yeah, he also did. He did a phenomenal job. He really did a phenomenal job, right? Yeah, and I loved you know getting bringing him for the fiftieth anniversary. You know, at least getting to have a, a a role for him being like the museum curator and and being involved. So, yeah. So let's just talk about this project, Gavin. I mean, this is like. <laughs> We've we've talked about this with you on the show before. You have a dream job in some ways that, that you've helped manifest through your years and years. I cannot imagine the world where this came to you, like how that came about. Like, you know, was this if you could say right? Is this something that the BBC approached? Is this one of the ones that Wizards went after? Is this you know these Universe Beyonds are something that we're so interested in? Yeah. So you know. Kind of where I came in in the process is, is this. I was at work one day and I got <clears throat> I got I was told this was con- I was told that we're working on New Universe Beyond set and I was like cool what is it you know and they're like oh it's it's Doctor Who and I just burst out laughing because I was like okay funny <laughs> joke it's like my favorite my favorite IP what are we really doing and they're like, like that's oh, funny no. guys <laughs> no really it's it it is Doctor Who. And, uh, and you're probably going to lead it. And I was like, what? That's, that's bananas. So I was very excited. Um, and that's kind of where I came into the process, you know, in terms of how we determine what we're going to, what we're going to use. There's a whole team of folks that interface with outside IPs and, um, work with them to figure out if they're going to work and, and so on, if we're going to do a thing with them, if they're going to be a good fit for magic. And then when it comes to vetting the size of the project, like secret layer, commander decks, full on set that's where design tends to get a little more involved because there's a lot of things that will impact um how a set is made or or or, or um rather how a, a property is used um that might not be immediately obvious for example there are some properties that just don't have enough for every color to do right you can imagine many ips are like this whole ip is underwater and you're like yeah. uh-oh 
It's gonna be really hard to make enough cards here. Or um, this IP doesn't have enough, have enough green characters, or it doesn't have enough material, right? There's only you know half a season uh, or a season of a single show or something like that, right? And so yeah, I think it's um, like like Firefly that people would love the idea of cowboys in space, but we probably don't have you know like doing more than a secret lair would probably be very much struggle. Right, it's like how many things can you actually pull out to use, right? You certainly could not pull out a whole set with, with those concepts. So you have to be very judicious about that kind of stuff. And then, you know, Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings has so much, right? That was easy full set. And then other things like Princess Bride, it's like, okay, that's going to be a secret lair. And there's a ton of room in the middle, right? Um, also, Commander decks are really good for creating kind of a biodome, like this really bespoke experience. And for something like Warhammer, it's a phenomenal fit for Warhammer 440,000. Having a faction you got to play as is so strong that it made a lot of sense to do those as commander decks. Yeah, that worked out so well. Uh, and I think it did here too with the split that you did across the errors of uh, the storytelling. And I know Hops has opinions of uh, about jamming all the villains into one I deck. Do. I do. I do. I, don't worry. Uh, I got some. I got some stuff yeah. to talk about. I have questions. I just have questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, uh, I, I'm kind of wondering, Gavin. Was this a property that at one point ever had the potential to be a full set? Well, yeah. We we, we talked about it. It was, um, you know, th that this was this piece was not ultimately my call, but um, it was pretty close between set or or decks, um, but. I think the decks are a little better expression, probably. Um, just there's enough material across 60 years of the show, but it's like how much of it are people going to recognize? You know, a, a show mm -hmm. is very unique. Like with the Lord of the Rings, all you have to do to having to know the Lord of the Rings is to read three books or watch three movies, right? And you're like, great, I got it all. I know everything there is to know. I've seen every piece of material there is no Lord of the Rings, more or less, right? You can talk about footnotes or other books or Hobbit references or whatever, but more or less, right. you're good to go. With Doctor Who, yeah, there's 60 years of material, but the number of people that have actually watched every single episode is fleetingly small. And so, yeah, you could blow it out and do a full set, but um, are you going to have enough material to, to do? Are you going to be able to fill out enough common concepts? Are you going to be able to make the gameplay good for a limited format too? Like one of the big challenges we had, we discovered really early on, we were investigating, is there just aren't a lot of good flying concepts, right? And evasion gets really, really hard in Doctor Who. So, you know, in Commander, we're kind of building up your own thing. It's less of an issue. And then you play your seven mana huge flyer and it's fine. But just having your three mana two, two flyer is actually going to be, be a bit of a struggle in many cases. Mm -hmm. uh, that's it. I think it could have been, a, I think it could have been a main set um, or a, you know, whatever, a, a Lord of the Rings style set. Um, but it, uh, I, I'm happy we chose Commander decks ultimately for it, even though we ended up with a ton of new cards and ultimately felt sort of like a, a full set that was split out as four Commander decks. Yeah, I was gonna say you the, the amount of new cards was still I mean it was exceedingly high because of how many references you did want to be able to pull off, and I think one of the things that has been amazing was seeing the old doctors. You know, I felt at least they you could understand the doctor without having you know like you probably knew that most of the people were gonna resonate with the 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 reboots. Those were gonna be the references that were gonna be easy for people to be upset if something was missing. Um, you know, if you miss something in the older set, I think you did some great jobs of like, would you, would I, would I realize that, the, that Shada was going to be represented? I'm, I'm happy. Right. But if that was missing, that's not like something that, that people you're going to be hearing about online. Oh, why did they forget this? Whereas you would with the new ones. So 
the decks I think could do a good job that way. I think they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and there's a lot of I'll say there's a lot of ways we could have split it up. And if, look, if we wanted to make a whole set out of this, having done the whole process, I think we could have. But especially, you know, you don't know that till the end of the process sometimes, right? And <laughs> when you're doing the initial exploration. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we haven't built the set yet, so what do you think? And, and we had to take our best stab at it at the moment. Knowing what I know now, I think we probably could have done an entire set based on it. Uh, not that it wouldn't have had its challenges, because it definitely would have had challenges. Um, but sometimes you got to just, you know, try stuff out, talk for a few weeks, and see what you think your best guess is. And ultimately, I'm really happy with the four commander deck direction. I think it was was a really nice one. Uh, also, just you know, frankly, in terms of in terms of scale, right? Doctor Who is, is a well-known property, but it does not hit the Lord of the Rings, right, in terms of how widely known and, and understood it is. And that's another another factor mm-hmm. for a really Yeah. Um, how did you go about selecting, like, which moments out of a 60-year-long story to turn into cards? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so, kind of my philosophy was this. <clears throat> it's better to go wide for the most part. So what we want to do is try and hit as many different things as possible to increase the chance that someone's favorite thing will get a card. Um, and then on a few specific places that are really beloved, we'll go a little deeper and do four, three or four cards. Um, so that's why, for example, there's a, a number of Weeping Angels because that's so well-known. Players love them so much. Daleks, Cybermen did plenty of those because there, there are so many of them um, out there. Um, but... For the most part, we just tried to go pretty wide on a lot of it and hit a lot of different stories. And especially when you get back to the classic stuff, it's like, okay, let's try and hit a lot of different different places in different ways because there's so much to cover. Um, and that was kind of our philosophy. And, you know, that's, that is oh, – not every single episode ever is referenced. But, you know, there's more episodes of Doctor Who than there are cards in the set. It would literally be impossible to do that. But a lot of them are. We, we hit a lot of ones and a lot of the big ones, I think. So doing the older ones, I mean, I'm guessing I've, I read the article where you kind of broke down a little bit of design so far a, a couple of weeks ago. And it, it seems like, you know, y- you probably had the most knowledge. I don't know about the rest of the team. Is that kind of one of the reasons why you did had a little bit more to do with that deck in particular? Well, yeah, at the very outset. So our team were, was all Whovians, right? I was really fortunate that everyone on the team knew and loved Doctor Who. No one we had to explain anything to there, which is fantastic. I mean, it's a great place to begin. With that said, everyone's knowledge base, just like in the world, when you talk to your friends about Doctor Who, is going to differ. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically how it breaks down is everyone knows the 9th, 10th, 11th Doctor eras, right? Because those, those eras are so popular and, and, and so beloved when a lot of us started watching the show. And then beyond there, the amount that everyone, everyone knows begins to differ, right? Some people had watched some old stuff. Some people had watched the new stuff, you know, et cetera. And it kind of just said, okay, look, I'm the lead. I'll take whatever's left over. And I know probably the most about the classic stuff. So let's talk about what we all want. And uh, Carmen wanted the 9th, 10th, and 11th Doctor deck because they, they love that era. Chris, Chris's favorite Doctor is the 12th Doctor, um, so they wanted to try out that that era. Once we, you know, once we figure out, we're going to divvy them up this way. And then Trick was like, oh, "I'm interested in the villains." So <laughs> And I was like, well, okay, if my initial estimation that no one wants to learn about, about all the classic Doctor Who episodes is true, I will take this. And, you know, it was it was cool. And I gained such a deep appreciation. Like, I went back and watched a lot of the old episodes, and I gained such a deep appreciation for it. And I did a lot of research. Now, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I watched every single old Doctor Who episode. Because one, first of all, that, that's impossible. Some of them don't yep. exist anymore. But also... <laughs> um, but, we but talked also, about that last time you were on the show. <laughs> Actually, it's hilarious. But we, I, I was remember when we talked about March Gladness. Um, right. 
yeah, it ended up, you know, you and I were talking about the, the lost episode. So, yeah. Right. So it would be impossible to watch every episode. But also there's, you know, just, you know, you can't, can't watch everything. With that said, I watched a lot of them. And I actually spent a lot of time on fan websites and talking with fans who love the classic era of the show about That's what awesome. episodes they would expect to be there, what their favorite companions were. So even if I didn't experience everything personally, I got to experience a lot of it by reading that. And I remember I went over to the U.K., during the time we were launching Streets of New Capenna to do a promotional thing over there for Streets of New Capenna. And while I was there, I stopped by actually the Wizards UK office and just because they're having like, okay, I can talk to everybody about this. So I just talked with everyone was like, okay, if you're a Doctor Who fan, which many people who live in the UK, of course, are, and you've been watching for a long time, which many people over there had, what would you expect to be here? So that was a really good way of getting data as well. So, I mean, I know Streets of New Capenna seems like a long time ago, but keep in mind this design process took years. So, um, How did you, you know, balance the flavor and the mechanics? Uh, you know, I think you did a great job. We actually had a, you know, a discussion um, last week about mechanics and complexity. And I'll, I'll ask a little bit about the complexity after this. But um, the flavor, you just nailed out of the park, I think. And I've played with some people who are even more into Doctor Who than I have, and they loved it. And I've had a a friend who has seen basically every episode available and they haven't played magic in 20 years and they bought the deck just to have, um, it's like a game night thing, uh, because they love Dr. Who so much. And they thought the flavor was fantastic from some of the preview cards I showed shared with them. So, you know, how, how did you, um, really balance that? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, one of the great, one of the great things about having a really long design process is you get to really hammer on the cards and try and get the flavor as resonant as possible. Um, and, you know, we not, I mean, I'm not going to say every card is like a hyper flavor slam dunk, but a lot of them are. And, you know, people love these characters. They love these, these places. They love this world or worlds. In the case of Doctor Who. And like, we spent, a lot of times just trying to come up with really resonant designs for them and translate them into magic ease. You know, there's sometimes we did cut things down just because of complexity or things like that. We actively like, okay, this is too much, but you know, kind of like a thing I thought a lot about is how can you get at the core of what something is without um, having to, with using as few words as possible. Right. So there's some very simple lines you can write on cards to talk about like um, the star whale, for example, is an example of like, well, it gives your stuff award to is that describing everything that the star whale does? No, it's complicated and only exists really in one in one episode. Um, but hey, being putting a city on its back and being a little protectory, sure, War Two works for that, right? And so even in the tiny nods like that, we could do it. And then we could blow it out even further on stuff like Master Multiplied, Everybody Lives, River Song, you know, that kind of thing. And we just looked for a lot of flavor wins. I mean, fortunately, like I said, we had a bunch of super fans making the product. We kept hammering on it for a long time and trying to make it as resonant as we could. I, I, I mean, I still think... I know you mentioned like Trick, I know stepped on kind of was like early on with the villains and I believe is responsible for this, the, the Cybermen, especially the fight, the face downs. And that's, in, that to me is brilliant. Like that is probably one of the biggest home runs for me for, to represent a whole entire like category. Um, the villains is something that I, I am very interested in and for a couple of reasons. Um, number one was the fact that you touched on this a little bit, which I was really glad in your article, because this is where I was struggling. 
it, it becomes that thing with Universe Beyond where, where, where color pie fits for, I think, me thinking about this in in the sense of like color pie for magic versus needing a balance for something like only having a villain deck, right? Like having to get it down into one deck because Misty to me completely reads is Grixis. So does, you know, I would say even some, you know, some of the Davros, like, would well, okay. Uh, (laughs) This is where I start struggling. I see a lot of stuff to do with Daleks and I think Cybermen in general that bleed into more of the Esper realm or at least some white elements that is more of the, you know, assimilation or the per- the purity type stuff. And I'm wondering how difficult it was to kind of make this, as you, you mentioned, right? At like one point you would kind of looked at robot-ish or, or, or more artifact type things being separate from some of the, the rest of the villain pieces. Hmm. That, I, I don't know where I'm going with this other than I'm, I, I struggle. Uh, and part of this is that Grixis's default tends to be villains, and I that's something that I personally always want to see expanded upon. Um, but within Universe Beyond, it's it was a really interesting thing to me to see so much of a artifact-heavy deck with Daleks and Cybermen. Let's just face it, Hobbs. You're tired of Bolas being um, associated <laughs> with villainy all the time. I... I it's Grixis. It is Grixis in general, but yes. Okay, so I got a lot to say about this. <clears throat> so let's start. Let, let, let's start from the place where. Well, I, I guess I'll actually back up even further. So when we started working on the product, the thing we spent the most time on, I uh, mean, or at least the most like mental energy, the one single task was figuring out how to divide the decks up, and then how what colors they were going to be. This was, this took so much time and energy. Like originally in our first draft, we had like a doctor deck and a companion deck and a Dalek deck and a master deck. Or maybe it was Daleks and Cybermen and Master, right? And we had mechanics like a mass Cyberman and we tried a bunch of stuff like that. And, you know, the Daleks, I think, were Obzon as the colors we chose for them. And um, we tried a bunch of different, we tried like Esper Cyberman. Um, we tried uh, Red Black Master or Grixis Master. We tried a lot of that stuff. But eventually, like, none of the ways we're divvying up was working. Because Doctor Who is just such a show that does not get divvied up by factions. It just really doesn't. Um, and there's not, and there also just isn't enough to pull from. If you were to do a Dalek and Cyberman deck, it's like, well, there's you know, a decent number of cards. But, like, you're going to start getting really repetitive after a little while. And not having the Doctors and the Companions in the same deck was a huge issue. So um, eventually we're okay. We, 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 me and Chris Mooney have locked ourselves in a room for like 90 minutes and we're like, we have to solve this problem. And we came up with the era direction, which we're like, okay, this cracks it. This is how we're going to crack this nut. We're going to do three separate eras and then a villain's deck. And that's how we're going to do it. Villain's deck is important. So for a couple of reasons, one thing we found is that having the villains fight alongside the heroes was really jarring, right? If you ever like the 10th doctor and a Dalek run in together, it just, that, yeah, it might happen in an episode, but if it kept happening, it felt really strange. Um, so we didn't want to do that, and we want to put all the villains in one place. Also, frankly, letting us do a villain's deck let us double dip on the most popular era of the show, right? So if you get to do a villain's deck, you get to do more ninth, 10th, and 11th Doctor stuff because you just get more cards to access that time. Okay, so once you decide that you're going to do the four-deck setup where you've got the three eras of Doctor Who and then one villain deck, then it comes time to choose the colors. The Doctor is, we decided that like blue is just such a core part of the Doctor's identity. So, okay, we're going to do blue for all, all three of them. We thought that was just going to be needed. 
White also makes a lot of sense, but we could probably justify not doing one of them as white. And so, you know, and he's not a doctor. We also, yes, I know some people will contend me on this. There are moments in the doctor's story where he feels black um, or does, you know, things that are a little more nefarious. But A, those moments are often fleeting. B, certainly the rest of the deck does not have enough of that to contain an entire black deck, right? Like it's, it, you might say that the 10th doctor or the 9th doctor have their black moments, but like, you're not going to have 20 different black cards. I think you're going to want to put in a deck that is aligned with the good forces of Dr. Who. Right. Um, so, okay. So once you determine that, then you get to the villains deck. The villains deck is definitely going to want to be black. So you're going to want to have black in there. So that black is represented. That is for sure going to be true. So we talked about a lot of things from this point and really what it came down to was Esper versus Grixis. That was the big discussion. That was the discussion we had over and over again about should it be Esper, should it be Grixis? Because you do get, like you're saying, with the Cybermen that like and, – and Daleks too to some extent. They're like impose order, the we will all be equal, that kind of thing, right? And so there is there is really white aspects to those villainy. On the flip side, you get like – you know the Master almost certainly wants to have red in their color identity, at least in some of their incarnations. Um, and – a lot of villains also want to have red in their incarnation. Like the, the you know, like Santarans certainly want to be red. Things that are about war definitely want to be red. And we talked about it, like I said, for a long time. We went back and forth on Esper versus Grixis. And we settled on Grixis because you could definitely justify the Daleks and the Cybermen, both as colorless cards, which allow you to get some of those white aspects in there without having to put the white color pie in there. Um, or um or as blue or black cards but you really could not justify a lot of the red stuff as white blue or black it really had to be red for what we wanted wanted to do there plus white was going to be overrepresented um among the doctor decks we always knew that going in so that's how we settled up there you could make an argument i mean that there is maybe some argument to be made that the villains deck could have been four colors like non-green i was going to ask about that yeah. But four-color decks are really hard to make successfully. A, the mana base gets pretty messy. B, it's they get, get defined by what they aren't more than what they are. And doing three other three-color decks, it made a lot of sense to do four three-color decks. It was just so, so much cleaner. Um, so that, that's how we ended, ended up on, on three colors and those three specific colors. I, I agree. You definitely can make arguments for the Daleks and especially the Cybermen being white. But ultimately we felt like Grixis would, would be the way to go. Um, and um, it's the kind of thing where if you're making, if you, one of the constraints of commander is color identity. If we yes. were making a full on magic set, one of the bonuses we would, we would have is we wouldn't have to worry as much about this. We could just do white blue or white black Cybermen and call it a day. But within commander, you have to, you have to make these t- tough choices. It's and funny. Cause, yeah. I mean, it, my, my, my initial question about set versus decks was kind of prompted by this. Right. Um, and I think it is too, even for me, for for potential for some of the doctors to have different color identity. Um, I, I know that for me personally, like I, I like I said, we don't have enough information, but I would love to, I think that the war doctor could have ended up having potentially some black in there just more because of what ended up doing. Um, I don't know. You know, so I kind of had that as like a Marduish potential. And I actually have the ninth is potentially into Grixis just because of now that he's the only one there is a different like sense of self um but these are things that can't be done in a pre-con anyway i mean you're, you you could easily tell me i'm wrong too right like that that that's not how 
people would identify these doctors colors. I just, I, I, I like love the incarnations of the doctors where I, I would like love to see more ability to have more than kind of like the, the, the doctors being all similar colors. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, there's four colors in magic and the doctor, or sorry, there's five colors in magic and the doctor span four of them. So yeah, you got four to five. I, I, I think there's something to keep, you have to keep in mind, which is there's two things. The first is that a well-written character at all points, at different points in their story can be any color, right? I think for, in a good story, most characters at some point can show elements of all five colors. So, you know, you can justify a lot of things in a lot of ways. And we tried to focus on specific moments for characters um, and, and show off, show off them in that moment. Cause the doctor can be all five colors at different points, a hundred percent. But that ties into the, my second point, which is I agree that you and me, Taya, like super fans of the show, we can sit here and be like, well, okay, he's coming off fresh from the time war. And so he's got some black to him and, and that all plays out. But to like an average Doctor Who fan who just sees the cards, I think that, that it's unlikely they would peg black as the color the, doc, the Doctor would, would be. It wouldn't work, right? And I I get that. Part of this is the the coming off of the, I guess it's the 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 the, the identity. And I guess this just might be part of, the, and the, the, Taya's right. It's not just me. I, I, I I, I fully admit, you know, like I am a Bolas fan. I don't think Bolas is actually a hero, and I will say that on the cast as much as I joke about it. Um, but but Grixis, I think, can have a. It's always struggled to have an identity beyond villain. And when we're having Universe Beyond, it does seem like. It, I mean, maybe this just is the nature of how villains are written in other IPs too. The default it, it defaults back to almost to Grixis, so we get multiple. Uh, commander decks for universe beyond in a row that are all grixis all villains um yeah well, between this only, and... only two so far right well three lord of the rings warhammer i, I mean i would consider the warhammer well, warhammer they're all villains they're decks. all villains warhammer. i guess yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I feel like talking <laughs> okay. warhammer villains is, is a Fair. little 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 <laughs> I, I, what yeah. i will say uh, hobbs is we're very aware of this like it's, it's it, yeah. we all know internally it's like hey, hey we did the villain deck as grixis twice what's up we don't want to pigeonhole the grixis into being the villain so i wouldn't expect that to always be the case um and we, we talked about that as a bonus too for breaking the trend here but it just ended up being the right call to make and sometimes you got to make a tough yeah. call like that you know I, and i played the deck like when the, the when we played it um and it was fun when I mean, we played it it turned into arch enemy um and yeah. <laughs> i played it with Tan, have, some of the people on the show i um, have played a all up pod a couple of times and it, it has turned into arch enemy against the grixis deck uh three of the times i have played the the pod so far uh missy just does nasty things to the table and uh everyone has to gang up on missy uh yeah, as it should be. Um, which kind of leads me to, a, a, you know, another question I had, which was just about the overall complexity of how things worked out. So far, the games that I have played um, with the four Commander decks have been some of the most complex Commander games that I have played. And these are, you know, pre-cons right out of the box. They're um, decks that are built to possibly pull in people who are familiar with the Doctor Who IP, but not with magic and pull them into the game. And I've played them with people who have who have or magic veterans that have maybe not played for a while and have come back to play and we played together with these and they were like i have no idea what's going on in this game and so we're you know 
I, I think the complexity, personally, I, I think it's really great and it was flavorful. But did this end up where you wanted it to for playing these together from a complexity point of view? Yeah, so there's always there's always a push and pull with flavor and complexity to some degree, right? Because if you want to make the most flavorful version you can, you got to put more words on the card or make things more complicated. So there's kind of three things, three axes here. One is the, is the flavor bit. Um, and we want to make some really cool flavorful cards, but the result is some of them end up with a lot of stuff going on. Two, and and also on one, like Doctor Who is a show that wants a lot of zany stuff happening. So for us in many places, it was kind of upside that it feels like zany stuff is going on. Right? When you play a game of Doctor Who Commander, you're like, wow, some wacky stuff happened that game. Like that, yeah, I've yes. not seen this happen before. And, yeah. and you know, if it was if it was more tame, I, I think you would, you would lose a bit of that. I'm not saying it couldn't be a bit tamer, but you do lose a bit of that. The second thing, and this is really subtle, but I think really meaningful, is you just really feel the lack of evasion. Like, yes, we got some flyers in there. We, we try to get ways to break through. But part of the reason why I think it, it begins feeling complex at points is because it's just hard to attack. It's hard to know how and who to attack because you don't have free attacks. And that's a, a, was a bit of a constraint of the IP. I mentioned earlier flying being a big challenge. Mm-hmm. We, tried every, we tried everything we could. We put in some flyers. We put in island walking. We put in horsemanship. We're like yeah, the island walking is nice, and the horsemanship was too. And there's quite a few ways to give unblockable. And I also think that is one of the reasons that Missy ends up being arch enemy is because there's so many ways for her, you know, her ability to do direct damage to the whole table um, makes her really powerful. We also tried to make it so the villain deck wanted to attack a lot, so they were a good attack. Like, oh, myriad will keep the game moving, life totals will get assaulted, and so on. Uh, and then the third thing is, I think. And this is one thing I, I would change if I was to do the product over again and know what I know now. And obviously, you, you always finish your project. And you're like, oh, I would change this thing. But this is one that I, I kind of realized toward the very end that it was like, well, we're way too late to fix this now. Which is, I, I think that our the the of the four deck themes, I think we should have made the paradox theme, the cast not from your hand theme something that was just a little more straightforward. For example, just instant or sorcery matter, something like that. Not because I don't enjoy it. I actually really enjoy the minigame that Paradox creates, the like find all the weird cards and magic to cast stuff from other places. But I think just having one more that was a, a, a straightforward would have helped that. Because where it kind of stands right now is the wildest mechanic one is certainly the, the timey-wimey deck, right? Because time yeah. travel vanishing, that's all pretty wild stuff. Yeah, so and many, then, so many triggers, so many triggers, and and people love it. It's really fun. It's really unique. It's super novel. But there's a lot going on there. And then the most straightforward deck is probably the villain deck. I think in terms in terms of how it plays because it's there's a lot of attacking, a lot of hey, I'm gonna play my spells and blow your stuff up or whatever. Um, I think you can play it. It could have some complicated moments, but I think it's one of the more straightforward ones. And the historic the historic deck is sort of in the middle somewhere, and then it's a pretty straightforward thing. Just play your creatures pump them up and, and be better. But because a lot of it involves like navigating combat and combat can be very tricky in a four player game. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot more than we would have thought just complexity and like figuring out how that your attacks are going to work. And there's also a lot of sagas and a lot of one-off legendary creatures with weird abilities. And then the paradox deck, I'd put kind of the, the next rung up um, of like under, underneath time travel, but, but, um, but above historic. I think if we just got that down into more of the middle range of like, um, instant sorcery matter deck or whatever that would have just helped create one more like easy on-ramp for people because when you're making four commander decks you always want like a a range of like 
So one is like, hey, I've never seen this before. It's really unique and different. And you want one that's really approachable. And then you want the rest to be kind of in the middle. And I feel like one of ours was a little too on the high end there. But, you know, ultimately, look, you know, we made the decks with with the resources we had. And it does feel like a lot of Doctor Who. And, and I am proud of them. Um, there are a few things that would change in retrospect. But yeah. that's how it's going to be. I love them. Uh, we did an entire episode talking about the overall complexity of magic today last week and uh, just where it is. And uh, It feels more I, complex it, in a lot of ways lately. Yeah, it does. So. It's, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed yeah. them. And the Timey Wimey and the Paradox deck are my two favorite decks out of this. But that's just, I'm also someone who's been playing magic for most of the 30 years that has existed. So I'm not too surprised that the two complex decks were the most interesting to me personally. Right. And that's the tough balance, right? It's like, okay, how can these be super appealing? And there's just a lot of stuff there to figure out. Um, it's tough. It, it really, it really is a, a tough balance. And especially with universe beyond where you're going to get eyes on them. People who've never, who never played magic before. Um, you know, and now I would personally, I would not recommend anyone starts by playing commander. <laughs> um, <laughs> It it is a a great um, landing pad for a lot of people. And, you know, for a long time in magic design, we're like, never, if you're newer to magic, never go touch commander. But eventually we're like, that just doesn't mimic how people actually play. Well, with it it being the de facto casual format these days, right? It it is, a lot of times it's replaced kitchen table, at least in my experience. Like where I learned was 60 card, whatever people had. Um, that's just not, that doesn't happen as much anymore. Right. Well, imagine that a new player starts playing. They're like, Hey Hobbs, I can't wait to come play magic with you. And you're like, and you're like, cool, come back in a year. And that's like, like, well, that's not a very satisfying answer. Right? There's of course, people are going to be like, Oh yeah, come join us right now. We'll make it all work. And, um, you know, I, I think while well, learning the game through commander is not the right way to go. I think like you want your decks to be able to be like, hey, I've played a few games with the intro games. I, I played a, a tiny bit on Arena. I know the bare bones of what's going on, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, I, 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 and that's that's something that uh, then people will start playing commander from there because you can't you just can't fight against that. You know, water, water runs downhill. Yeah. I just want to say something, you know, one last thing about the complexity, but also what I think was a, a huge win was adding Planes Chase into this, which when I saw it announced at uh, Minneapolis yeah. that this was going to be a Planes Chase thing, I was yes. I was over the moon because I'm like, this is the perfect fit for Doctor Who. Uh, I was, as someone who's always been a Planes Chase fan, getting two Planes Chase Commander sets in one year was like a gift from, <laughs> a, a gift from the gods for me. Uh, you should and... have given me schemes for the villains deck, though, Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I want to say I really appreciate that, even though it, it upped the complexity even more. But uh, the planes were super flavorful, and I love that you added them to this product. Well, and yeah, and as I would tell anybody, right, if you're newer, do not start by playing with the plane chase version of it, right? Plane chase is a it's there to be opted into, right? And it's fun, and a lot of people like it, and it's wild. But you are gonna, you want your mind to get uh, a little melted sometimes. Like plane chase will will do it to you, and that's regardless of any. That's gonna be a normal game of magic. Plane chase can get make wacky stuff happen. So, at what point did that come in then? I mean, because I mean, obviously, you want a way to to denote travel in time and space, right? I mean, like we got cards like the TARDIS, obviously. But at what point did you say like I want planes or like that that's a way to add 
locations and references that is different than having to crime to cram them onto a card. Before the team began, I was like, we should do plane chase. And I expected there to be a lot of resistance because we had just done a March of the Machine. And I kept pitching it to people and putting like, my hands up, shielding my face, like, oh, what do you think? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. And so um, there was basically no resistance to it. And there was like, ah, let's just do it. Um, because it, it is such a great way to show you traveling, like literally traveling through time and space. And, you know, the, the kind of phrase that some people started using was like, if plane chase didn't exist already, we might have invented it for Doctor Who, right? That is how perfect of a fit it is. So uh, it was a total thumbnail there from the very beginning. Truly. Okay, cool. I mean, like, it, it, like that, that makes complete sense because I mean, like I said, I, I love the ability to, right like it's giving you free ways to get extra references in that you don't have to play the game with you can have them off to the side you don't have to do it but right like you you can and i and i just i really appreciated that i think as taya was saying once i saw the plane chase and then once i saw a couple of the planes i yeah i can't imagine it without it so yeah it's a it's a real win like i said totally opt-in don't have to do it we all the cards we made that reference plane chase are really functional on their own right they all do other things and then you have it's like on mm-hmm. missy it's like the card is just great and at the end chaos ensues but that may or may not matter in your game right so yeah um, <laughs> same thing with the tardis i mean you get cascade whether you're playing plane chase or not it's still right, exactly. a really good card exactly i'm curious what a couple of your favorite either interactions or designs are yeah some of my favorites are river song the Master Multiplied, those are two... River really Song cool. is my favorite card in the set. I don't need another Is It deck, but I am going to get here <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I, I love those. I love the War Doctor. I love how that turned out. Um, I love Everybody Lives. It's just so fun just to throw down and you know get up and do a dance. There's tons. I mean, I could go through the whole set and tell about all the great flavor wins and the hours we spent making them. You know, when you make a set like this, the set really is more than mini a baby because it's like the the hours and teeth gnashing and trying to solve problems because you're not trying to make magic cards you're trying to make magic cards that also represent something that people love and um you know when we do a in universe magic set don't get me wrong a lot of care and a lot of love goes into them do not get me wrong i'm not trying to discount any of that at all but like with you hey we're gonna make a legendary creature that's a we're gonna make this legendary creature and you get the download from creative or whatever but to the players Whatever you make that is what it is, right? It's like, okay, well, this is what Jace means, is this this slam text you put on here or or what have you. This is what um, this new legend means. This is what Captain Admiral Brass means or whatever. With Doctor Who, people come in with a love. They've seen every episode. They've spent, you know, 30 hours of their life with this character. They – you have to nail it. You have to make sure the flavor is good. And um, a lot of energy goes into making sure that happens. And I'm really proud of how it turned out. I mean, there's so many that like literally when they were spoiled, it was like, thanks a lot for punching me in the gut because that's what I needed today, right? The emotional beats were captured. I mean, I yeah. it, four knocks is an example of something. And that, you know, farewell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't even uh, talked about the sagas, right? Which are like this yeah. amazing representation of showing off the episodes. And I think it's such a such an excellent way to get at the core of that, too. Yeah, uh, the fireplace. I mean, the, the the girl in the fireplace. The the saga from that with the horsemanship. Because uh, Taya used that to good. That like, it, it did right. Like the, yeah. the being able to represent the weeping angels on you know going through mechanically. Um, 
So, you know, we'll get to some specifics. And I, and I, Carmen did a very nice job of discussing this actually when I, I had brought it up in a, in a thread. But, you know, even hitting something like the partner, you bringing back partner with having to make that decision to then, I guess, not have Rory be a companion. Um, I do appreciate even if I didn't want it initially. <laughs> Like, yeah, that, that I, one, we knew we wanted you to be able to do Rory, Amy, and the Eleventh Doctor all together. We, like that's so important, right? And so we talked about some options, and we we decided after chatting that just three cards in the command zone was not going to cut it, right? That's just we didn't want to uncork that bottle. So given that, how can we get it to work? Um, and we end up with where we are. We got to play Amy and Rory together, or you can play the Doctor and Amy together, and Amy can go find Rory. And that, that's right. kind of our solution. It's yeah. cool. It, it is works. cool. It's just a bummer to not get to see that companion word on Rory. You know, I mean, that's that that's me. See, once again, we're getting too deep. Um, <laughs> also, I mean, I think I can make a. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being difficult at this point. Uh, <laughs> and I do appreciate that you did. You know, I, I, I really liked Clara to, to give us that option to make the doctor, right, to like, to be able to dip into the timelines and actually to give us black if we wanted to, right? Like, I did think about that when I was trying to make the the war doctor into the, you know, the Mardu that I wanted the war doctor to, to be in my mind, right? I do appreciate that there is an option for me to do that if I was building my own kind of deck. Yeah, Clara was a really neat design. Yeah, I wanted to make sure that that was really Carmen pushing for that, and I'm so glad that she did. Um cl- Clara is a great way, and also Weisler to a lesser extent, too. I want to make sure you could build a black deck, and um, giving you two options there was was a nice little touch. (laughs) Weisler was funny because I realized as I was building the villain's deck and deciding what I was going to play that I couldn't actually, like, pair that with anything that I was building. (laughs) Or, like, when I was making a decision of who I was going to play as the face for the game we were playing, I was like, wait a second, I can't even do this in the deck. (laughs) So that's a little confusing, but yeah. Well, I love the idea. We know you have a hard cutoff. We really appreciate you coming on the show to talk with us about this. Uh, this has been a fantastic uh, time. Thank you so much for coming to talk Doctor Who with us. Uh, thank you for the set. It's been one of my favorite products that you've released in a while. Uh, absolutely love it. Oh, it's my I pleasure. Just... Thank you for having me on. Like, you know, I'm very yeah. passionate about this. I'm just glad that as Doctor Who fans, you both really enjoyed it as well. And I, and I just appreciate you coming and talking to us in general because we just really enjoy talking to you. Definitely. It could be about anything. So. Well, that's always lovely, too. Yeah. Fun to talk with you all as well. Cool. Well, have fun at your uh, next meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you all so much for having me. And everyone out there, hopefully you enjoy. If you're uh, curious for anything more, you always hit me up on Twitter or follow me on Good Morning Magic, my YouTube show. And um, you know, always talking about design stuff. So I'm sure I'll see you around there. And that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at Hobbs Q, Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to the Goblin Lord Pod on Twitter, or email us at goblinlordpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at Bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast, 
as part of their Growing Porthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. Thank you.